Hello, everybody, and welcome to show. I like show better than podcast. To the secret podcast. And you're not supposed to be listening to this. And remember not to tell anybody because it's a secret. Shh. It's a secret. All right. Well, I'm on a walk with my roommate's dog who's three years old, and she is such a good girl. Uh, the rest of the day, I've been watching my other roommate's like two-month-year-old puppy and I think I hate puppies. I think that's the conclusion I came to today after watching it for a full day and I, I, I'm not, I don't like despise puppies. I just think they're a little overrated. <laughs> I think they're really nice for like photos and pretty much that's it. Maybe cuddling after they're really tired but when they're active, they're just a wind-up toy with like a, a bloodlust for like your ankles and like your pant legs and your shoelaces and your fingers. And I got my nipple bit today. It hurts so bad. Like I'm, I might even just commit to a full nipple ring because it's already halfway done. And I don't even know where I'm really going with this. I mean, like obviously I like puppies. I'm not a psychopath, and I'm not. Uh, murderer in the making so I don't like <laughs> I'm not taking joy saying that I I don't enjoy puppies I'm just saying that <laughs> people who go head over heels for puppies typically don't have puppies or have never raised one because they are they require so much of your attention constantly especially because this puppy is a female <laughs> and like if if she's squatting it could just be her sitting it could be her peeing it could be her just like projectile shitting everywhere like it all happens so quickly i'm so surprised how it's almost like a soft serve machine for how much poop just comes out in like 0.3 seconds after she squats like <laughs> it's insane whatever whatever's inside that puppy can solve like all constipation uh worldwide i think and like luckily today no poops inside got her outside every time but Holy smokes, I think she paid like 13 times in the span of like, I want to say like six hours. So that's like two peas every hour. And like, I had to keep my eyes on her the entire time. I'm somebody with just like bad undiagnosed ADHD trying to just like spend my, <laughs> put my entire focus onto this thing. And it is just, it is a difficult task. Even like, even the other dog, the more mature dog, a three-year-old, uh, Ozzy, that's the three-year-old, and then Maya's the young one. <laughs> Ozzy was just like, nah, I'm good. I don't even want to hang out with this thing yet. Like, things a turd. Things annoying. You know, just, it barks. It's, it just goes. It doesn't stop, and then it eventually crashes, and then just gets back up again. It starts going, and it just, it discovers things by biting it. Like it'll just bump into a wall and then it just puts it in its mouth and goes, hmm, that's a good wall. That's some good paint. And then it just like bumps into a wood chair. What do you know? Just gnawing on the wood now. <laughs> just all this good work just going to waste because they're little puppy teeth because they're little land piranhas, but with fur and they've somehow hijacked our, our eyes to think that they're <laughs> worth looking past because they're so cute. But, but they're not, they're little monsters. And they're like, she's so young right now, it's just like anything you do, it's not gonna, it's not gonna catch. <laughs> that sponge is not yet, you know, it's, it's not gonna grow. 
nothing's really gonna stick. So like trying to teach this dog to sit is like trying to I don't I don't even know. I don't even know what an apt comparison would be. It's like yelling at a a, a wet paint wall to dry, I guess. I, I guess that's my concluding point. This is a a really shitty episode, so I apologize for that. I'm doing this <laughs> just kind of on a walk. And I'm almost kind of out of shape as I'm walking here. So, yeah, thanks for letting me listen or speak. Jesus, I can't even form sentences. And, yeah, I didn't get to the five-minute mark. Oh, no. I'm going to be in trouble. I'm going to get a C- on this. Anyways, take care. I'm going to talk about soccer a bit. What I do want to talk about is how I think that how world football, international football, MLS kind of excluded, is so much better in terms of how the sport is ran than the American franchise system. And I don't know if I have enough time to explain all of it. Um, So... The first thing I think is really interesting is how they do Champions League, which is essentially playoffs. These games are, or this is probably the most important, this is who they deem as like the best team in the world. Um, And it kind of gets shit on a little bit. I know Ted Lasso shit on, or not shit on, but made light of it in the sense of how the Champions League works is that it's not whoever finishes in the top eight positions in the league that year all go into a playoff system. What happens is whoever finishes in the top four in most major leagues, sometimes top three, um, the net, the following year gets put into the Champions League, which is, uh, I believe there's eight groups of four, and then uh, you play in that league while your league is going on, and whoever you play each team twice, home and away, and then whoever finishes the top two in those uh, small groups, much like the World Cup, uh, will go into a knockout. And then during that knockout, it's not just one game elimination. It is two games, one home, one away, uh, with aggregate goals uh, applied to it, meaning that an away goal has more weight than a home goal. So, for example, if my team plays Tim's team and I go I go to Tim's place first and the score is one to one, I have an away goal. And then if we go back to my place and we tie zero zero, I would go through because I have away goals. Pretty simple, but can cause some frustration and some really interesting things. Um, uh, look up the Barcelona PSG a couple years back with the away goals frenzy that happened. That was also crazy. Um, but yeah, I think that's extremely interesting. And also being said that I'm not going to sit here and argue that soccer is a better sport. I think how they run it is better. Um, so they have that for the Champions League. And then the how the leagues work is a win is worth three points, draws worth one point. Whoever has the most points at the end of the, end of the league, and you play everybody in the league twice, home and away. 
whoever has the most points wins. Top four goes to Champions League. Five and six go to Europa League, which is the exact same thing as Champions League, except for it's five and six from each each division. And then also whoever finishes third in each one of those Champions League groups drops into the Europa League uh, as well, which can cause some confusion. But I digress. The most important thing is how they do trades or transfers, as it's called. Instead of saying, okay, I know you're our best player, but we really need draft picks. So we're going to trade you to some random city. You have to uproot your whole life to go to this city. What happens is, for example, if Kyle wants to buy one of Bobby's best players, Kyle can go, okay, I will buy out your player's contract for a sum. And that team can go, okay, well, uh, we request $50 million. And Kyle goes, actually, I'll give you 45 Bobby says, go fuck off. Kyle goes, fine. I'll, I'll pay the $50 million. Bobby goes, great, I'll cancel his contract for $50 million. You're now free to offer him a contract. Now, even if Kyle pays $100 million for Bobby's best player, Bobby's best player could be like, no, I don't want to move to Sevilla. I'm never going to do that. Reject the contract. I think that system of giving players a little bit more power is so much better. Um, of course, there are players who run down their contract and move for free and then demand big like uh, wages and also agents, which I could talk about for ages, um, play a big part. But it gives the players a little bit more power. And then also the biggest thing, I'm ranting. I'm going to go over five. I don't give a fuck. The biggest thing is something I never understood. Well, I understand it, but I don't like it, is how you do kind of academies in the U.S. For example... If in Detroit, we, we have this great academy of soccer players and great coaches, and then we get a really, really good player, and then, and then we have an MLS team in Detroit, even in the MLS, this works this way, is I have a great player, I got him through the academy, and, you know, he grew up in Detroit, his favorite team is, you know, the MLS team or whatever, and then when he turns 18, guess what? He's going to go to college, and then he's going to get drafted to a random city. He's got to go there. Uh, sorry, Orlando sucks, so guess we're getting drafted there. In England and the rest of Europe and kind of the world for soccer, if you develop a player in their academy, you, you can just, as soon as they turn 16, they can play for the first team. And I think that's awesome. And that's also a way that, that small clubs can generate a lot of revenue. Ajax is huge, is huge on this. They'll develop young players who are extremely, extremely talented, give them chances on the first team. They play in Champions League as well. And then big teams will go and buy those players. I'm talking to Young, DeLitt. Uh, there's uh, Vander Beek, uh, Sergio Dest, an American who went over to... Uh, Amsterdam to train and then got bought by Barcelona and is now playing regularly for him, albeit because of injuries a bit, but also because he's a quality player. Uh, and that's just a huge difference. And I probably should have gave myself more time. But yeah, I, I think how that's ran is just so much better.
All right, Bobby back again here, and this recording today is called Kenya. So I guess I've started to really enjoy this whole little trip um, podcast series. So um, like I said, this one's called Kenya, and this is another one of my not-so-fun travel experiences. Obviously, everything worked out well. Things um, could have been a lot worse, and all's well that ends well, but um, yeah, going to hop right in. So um, Kenya was the last country that I went to in Africa, and leading up to my trip, I had the um, American Travel app, which basically is just um, travel warnings, travel updates, and um, I guess a, a place to look to um, see any warnings, updates, like I said, and um Basically, it would tell people what countries you shouldn't travel to as an American citizen, where you can. And out of all 27 countries that I went to, Kenya was the one that had a red flag. Nairobi specifically was the one that had a red flag um, on its app. So safe to say that it was a little sketchy to go there, but Masai Mara is known around the world for being the best place to go on safari. Safari was really high up on my list of things that I wanted to do on my trip always been really high on my bucket list. So I decided that it was worth the risk. Might be, might be a little naive there. It might be kind of dumb or silly on my, my end, but like I said, all is well that ends well. So, um, flew into Nairobi. I was staying at a homestay because it's a little sketchy to stay at hostels in Kenya. So I stayed at a homestay with an actual family that lived in Kenya and picked me up from the airport. Um, had one night there. And then the next morning, um, the tour that I booked, the um, tour car- carrier was picking me up from this homestay and we were heading out to Masai Mara, which is about a five hour drive from Nairobi. So long story short, he picked me up. His name was Anthony, really cool guy. He told me that nobody else booked that, uh, specific or particular tour. Um, so I was the only one on the safari and I was like, huh, that's kind of weird. Cause, um, I just expected to maybe be with like a family or some other people that booked the same tour provider as me, but I was the only one that booked it. So it was like a kind of a personalized, um, tour for me. So it was kind of cool. But anyways, we're driving out to Masai Mara from, um, from Nairobi and it was a long drive and, uh, it was really good. Things were going well. We were having a good, good conversation. And all of a sudden we hit like this dead stop traffic and African traffic's a little different than any other traffic that I have experienced in my life. And it's one of those things that you're literally just sitting there and there were no joke, people literally sitting in lawn chairs on this highway. And I see, I say highway with quotations because it wasn't much of a highway. It's kind of like a dirt road. Uh, but it was like their main vein um, of transportation or travel throughout the country. So we were sitting there and we were literally, you know, out of the car. And I was playing Who Wants to, Play, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire on my phone. It was like my one downloaded game to pass the time. And I started to look around and I, I realized that I was the only person that didn't really seemed to fit in as like a local. Um, they didn't seem like there were many tourists around. And I was like, huh, that's a little funky. Didn't really care. Never bothered me once. I mean, I didn't have any reason for it to bother me. I was in a foreign country and I was a foreigner. So, you know, that's the way it goes. But anyways, um, out of nowhere, uh, my, my tour guide, Anthony, was gone. There was this really loud ruckus. I looked up from my game and there was like a protest. And they had this sign, big poster. I couldn't understand what it said. It was in Kenyan. Um or Maasai, something like that, and they had machetes. 
and they were slicing tires to block us all in. So they were like slicing tires of buses and big cars on the outside, outer ring of this traffic. So everyone was blocked in. And I was like, holy crap, this is like pretty sketchy. And that's when I was like, okay, is this like serious? Because that's when it started to kind of bug me that I was like kind of sticking out like a sore thumb because I didn't know how violent this was. All I know is I saw machetes and all I know is that, um, you know, I could be a target, a possible target. So anyways, they, um, continued on after slicing tires and then we were waiting there again and things kind of simmered down. Anthony ran back to the car. He's like, you're going to have to get in the trunk. This could get a little dangerous. Like I said, it's like over hundred degrees. I'm in Kenya. I don't want to go in a trunk, but he said, you need to hide your phone, your wallet, your keys. There's like a little compartment at the bottom of the car. I hit him in there and I went in the trunk and I was in there for for what felt like an eternity. Um, Once again, long story short, I heard like a couple pops, like pop, pop, pop. And I thought in my head, huh, fireworks. That's just me me being naive. Uh, Obviously it was not fireworks. It was gunshots. Um, We were able to get out of there safe and sound, unscathed. Uh, Very, very rattlesome though. I was... Really rattled. Uh, we were driving away, and I could peek out through the trunk a little bit, and there were people, little fires everywhere. There was people running around with machete. It was like something out of a crazy horror movie. Um, and I later found out, once we got back to civilization in Nairobi, a couple days after um, the incredible safari, we heard learned that three people were actually killed in that protest. So that was another one of those times that in the moment I didn't realize the severity of the situation. Um, thank goodness everything worked out well, and as I've said twice, all's well that ends well, so we were okay, but... One of those sketchy times where I was like, man, could have been a lot worse, but uh, definitely could have been a whole lot better. So that is my uh, Kenya scary experience. Scary. Things are going to get.